Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So it's uh, Movember, Movember, and it's interesting how many men are growing mustaches in Movember, supporting the campaign to um, develop and, and persuade men to be more responsible for our health. Because we're not particularly. And I'm a walking example of that. And um, there's also an opportunity for you, of course, to contribute some dollars to research and development for maximum treatment and cure of prostate cancer. So what men and their partners and families particularly must be aware of is prostate issues can and do move very slowly before they become stage four cancer threats to life, which is my situation. I just put it off. I just put it off. I thought, that's ah, just staging, and it's going to get better by itself, and I don't need to go see a doctor. PSA test don't need it. Yes, I did. I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now, likely, if I'd gone much sooner. My guest is Dr. Bobby Shagan, urologist, oncologist, the world's leading robotics prostate cancer surgeon, and director of surgery at Hamilton, Ontario, St. Joseph's Hospital. Dr. Shagan is also, uh, I'm very fortunate that he's treating me. Dr. Shagan, thanks for coming back on the program. Uh, my pleasure, Roy. So can we just generically approach the issue of men and our responsibility to our own health and being aware of what we're doing and what we should be doing, and, and then maybe if you wouldn't mind segueing right into the significance and the importance of maintaining or at least monitoring prostate health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this issue has been uh, fought in the media back and forth as to whether men should be screened for prostate cancer routinely. And, you know, there's been controversy on the topic, but there's no doubt that when you look at it, it's a major public health issue in Canada, in the U.S., and in most uh, industrialized nations. It occurs very, very frequently. So somewhere around one in seven to one in eight men are going to develop this disease uh, in their lifetime. But the challenge has been the fact that, you know, the mortality from it uh, is not quite as bad as it would be, let's say, if you're diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, and because of that, there has been a lot of controversy um, in the literature and in the, in, the, in the lay public as to whether or not you should be screened for it because what if you're overtreated? And what we've seen uh, about 10 years ago or so, there was a move in the United States and then shortly thereafter in Canada to recommend to primary care practitioners to stop screening for prostate cancer, a move that was generally, I would say, in a wide, in a, in a, in a wide-ranging way, was a post-neurologist. And what we've seen since then is that the rates of incurable metastatic prostate cancer, as you've described, Roy, uh, have, it's, it's gone up without a doubt in every single state in the U.S. and also in Canada. And, of course, once, it's, uh, once the cat's left the bag, it's usually incurable, uh, and it's a slow, progressive disease. Now, we've made a lot of headway in treating it, but, of course, we don't want men to get there in the first place. So I think, you know, as long as the... Um, primary care world is divided on whether or not they should screen, men should take this issue into their own hands, be empowered to ask their primary care practitioner 
I'd like to be screened for prostate cancer. And it's a very simple blood test along with a physical exam. Yeah, I've been very open with my listeners, as you know. I've, uh, yes. I've, I've, I've told exactly what's going on with me. And uh, you made it very clear to me the first time we met that my situation was, was not good. Uh, I need to t take it very seriously, and I do. And thankfully for me, uh, there is new medication available, which uh, which helps a great deal. But but there are no guarantees, and you never want to get into this into this situation in the in the in the first place. But you know, you know this far better than I do, Doctor Shagan. But men will be in denial. Ah, it's nothing. That's the first one. Yeah, it's nothing. And then they go and seek um, substantively. Support from other men. Do you think I had a problem? No, nah, you don't have a problem. And then they go away happy because they just were, their position was endorsed by a buddy who may be experiencing exactly the same thing. What should men be looking for if we're talking about prostate health? What are, are there indicators? And, and you're, you know, I'm, I know it's a slow moving disease. Yeah. What are the indicators we should be looking for? Well, but, but, and, and therein lies the problem, right? That uh, prostate cancer. If present in its early stages, usually doesn't have specific symptoms. So that's why you have to sort of screen for this to make sure it's not there, uh, even when there are no symptoms. Unfortunately, by the time men have symptoms from prostate cancer, it's often pain as a result of uh, the disease having spread to bones. And that's when people get discovered of metastatic prostate cancer. What most men, in fact, have as they get into their 50s and 60s, is urinary symptoms, like urinary frequency, having to avoid more often, perhaps not avoiding with a good enough stream as they used to. And that's incredibly common, but it really bears no direct relationship to prostate cancer. And, you know, the presence or absence of those symptoms in no way guarantees that you don't have the disease or you do, in fact, have the disease. Most men with urinary symptoms don't have prostate cancer. And men with prostate cancer may or may not have symptoms. So the reality is you can't wait for symptoms. This should be a, uh, a trigger in one man's life when you reach a certain age to say, look, it's time to get screened. Very much so in the same way as uh, you would get screened with endoscopy for colon cancer uh, and women, uh, perhaps mammographies for breast cancer. And there are segments of men in the population that should be screened earlier. So whereas most men would start screening around the age of 50, there are segments in the, in the population based on risk factors that should be screened much earlier. You know, for example, men who, are, who have um, African heritage, men with multiple first-degree relatives who have had prostate cancer, men of Ashkenazi Jewish heritage. All of these individuals are at higher risk. They should be screened earlier, and others get screened by the age of 50. The issue at hand, though, is that primary care practitioners are not routinely offering that because of um, organizations that have recommended against screening. Um, again, that exists in the U.S. and Canada. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that the vast majority of urologists, as well as cancer societies, don't endorse that view. And most of us feel that you should be screened, and screening should be smart. Uh, and if you are discovered to have prostate cancer, to take the steps necessary to make sure that you're getting the right treatment. And not every man with prostate cancer needs therapy. In fact, probably half the men that are discovered early on with, you know, on the basis of screening have disease that just requires monitoring. But that's a decision that you can make in an informed way if you've been screened and found to have the disease. Not to be screened at all, 
or to use, as you said, you know, your buddy's advice as to whether you're okay or not, or whether he has just had similar symptoms is really not a very uh, good way to go because you can certainly miss things that way. And uh, as you all well know, it's, you know, it's not, not a place you want to be, but all possible. Of course, things have changed in the last decade. And, uh, you know, for men who are, unfortunately are in that position, we have far more effective treatments, and, and this continues to evolve very rapidly. So I think we're seeing a boom in that, but it remains incurable. And I think our push really is to take an incurable disease and make it from a you know a lethal disease to a chronically controllable disease. If we can accomplish that, we can make the problem. Dr. Shagan, I, the first time we talked, and we talked about the um, possibility that robotics could be involved if surgery is necessary, I did see an uptick in interest in, for men. Oh, this could be interesting. Also, this maybe not result in the sort of the after effects of surgery that I've heard about. Tell me about it. So, what are the options if you need to intervene surgically? What are the options, and when does the robotics enter the picture? <clears throat> uh, so, those are very good questions, and there's a lot of you know media focus on, you know, uh, sexy, uh, if you would call it that, approaches to surgery. And so, f firstly, uh, for the most part, uh, surgery in prostate cancer would be offered to men whose disease is felt to be contained in the prostate, uh, while at the same time still posing a threat. In other words, you shouldn't watch it. And probably about half the patients that I mentioned we actually watch. Of so the ones whose disease is localized in the prostate, Broadly speaking, they have two options, surgery or radiation, and there are other sort of niche type of treatments out there. Uh, but the benchmarks are either surgery or radiation. And surgically speaking, uh, the vast majority of the offerings out there would be either a conventional open uh, radical prostatectomy, which we call radical retropubic. And that probably is about 60% of what happens across the uh, province. And then remaining 40% or so are done robotically or with robotic assistance. Um, and I think we're going to see that ratio uh, change in the next decade or so heavily in favor of robotics as the technology is now finally beginning to disseminate across the province. Um, and robotics is really, as you pointed out, why robotics? Well, <clears throat> once a surgeon's experienced, the procedure is certainly less invasive, more accurate, less bleeding, less pain, a shorter length of stay in the hospital, um, and um, and ultimately probably a quicker return to yeah, the prior style of living for the for the patient. But no matter how you how the prostate is removed, I think it's really, really important that patients understand that there are aspects of their life that will never go back to what it was. Um, you can try to attain it as close as you can to that, but you need to reconcile beforehand that particularly urinary and sexual side of things will be changed in some manner, uh, in, you know, indefinitely. And knowing that and accepting that ahead of time is really, really important to avoid subsequent treatment regrets. And I think that's a key thing. And I think that you mentioned Movember, and I would encourage men to check out the Movember website. It's a, it's a very good website and has a lot of good information as it pertains to, you know, how men's lives can be impacted, even in the case where the disease is localized and it's just surgery. Well, it's not never just surgery. Yeah. Movember.ca is the website, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, we broadcast across the country. We only have about a minute and a half here, Dr. Shagan, but we, we broadcast nationally. So are the robotics surgical options available increasingly nationally? They are. Yeah, I apologize. I, I was really talking about Ontario. So uh, it, it, it certainly is. Uh, it's available in, in many provinces and, and, and the um, the provinces that were not pr- pr- previously um, had the technology available are rapidly coming online thanks to um, you know, the procedure becoming more palatable cost-wise uh, from the parent company. And over time, we're probably going to see dissemination of this more and more uh, at multiple sites within each province. But to varying degrees, it's available in the provinces now, yes. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.